Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for the Beacon Flash. The one show, the only show to shine a light on the future of enterprise wealth management. Brought to you by Beacon Strategies, LLC. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. With your host, Chip Kisper. Hey, Chip. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Mark, I am so happy to have you here with me today. Uh, one of my best friends in the industry. And uh, look, we are so excited to be kicking off or re-kicking off our podcast. We were original adopter 10 years ago in doing podcasts. And I am so excited to have you on our first podcast. So welcome. Well, thank you, Chip. Thanks. And, uh, and welcome back to podcasts. It's great to be here. And the feeling of friendship is mutual. So I appreciate the opportunity. So right off the bat, you know, and we try to do these in a fast format. Um, my question, first question to you is, what are you, what are you thinking about these days? As we look at enterprise wealth, what are the things that are on your mind these days? Thinking about a couple things, um, you know, where, where are the unmet needs? There's a lot of things that we've been able to solve for throughout the years, but what are the things that are still challenges for firms? And so, you know, there's a couple of things um, that we've been focused on. CRM, just the broad topic of, of CRM uh, is one of them. And uh, we're pretty well steeped in that space and science has been in that space for for a lot of years and has we have a lot of expertise but really you know what's the evolution of crm past contacts and opportunities and you know we're seeing firms using now that they have all of the data on prospects customers advisors etc how do they channel it for greater uses? So things like marketing, things like service, recruiting, transitions. Recruiting has been an area that it's funny because every firm talks about their recruiting efforts. They want to sign all these recruits. But as you know well, most firms have a very manual recruiting process that often involves Excel often involves a lot of paper. And so it's just, it's been interesting for me over the last couple of years, a topic that I didn't spend a lot of time on previously, learning more about it now, again, an area that firms talk about a lot and say is important, but they've never made the investments in automation with recruiting. So we've been doing some things with firms to help automate that flow from sort of advisor prospect all the way to onboarding new clients. Um, so those are some areas that, again, back to unmet needs, we're trying to solve for um, and have been involved with over the last couple of years. So, you know, one of the things we bump up against, and and you know this very well, given, you know, the work we've done and on RFI and RFPs and, and beyond that, you know, you go in and and you talked about recruiting, you talked about communication, you talked about a lot of these elements that, you know, 15 years ago, pre-iPhone weren't, you know, everything was paper and what have you. One of the challenges we have is change management, adoption, 
all those things sound good, but we find it's really hard, especially given the demographic of enterprise wealth firms and their types of advisors and age. And how do you help these firms bridge that gap of, hey, we're moving to something new, right? You're moving these advisors cheese, so to speak. How are you getting them to really get excited and get behind these great projects that you're working on? Well, there's a couple things in, I, you know, if there's one thing in wealth management and wealth tech that we've underestimated, including myself over the years, is the change management aspect of, of introducing change. And so there's a couple things that I've found. Number one, to the extent that you can personalize it, um, people are more likely to get on board, meaning what's in it for them? How is it going to be meaningful for them? Not just that somebody's telling them, hey, I'm telling you, you have to do this. Most people don't react well to that. But to the extent that you can personalize it, and when you talk about advisors, advisors want to know, how do I serve clients better? How do I serve clients more effectively? How do I do things faster and more efficiently? How can you enable my practice for success? So all of those things sort of personalize it, at least in the case of an advisor. The other thing on change management is how do you break it down in bite-sized chunks so that it's easier to, to swallow? And so most big change efforts often don't do great because people are trying to chew too much off. And so those are just a couple things that, that I've learned and that we've learned. You know, I'll give you one example, Chip. We've been working with a firm for a couple of years now. And before we actually did any work, we spent almost six months going through a blueprint with this firm. And a lot of it was focused on what was the change going to be they brought in all of the people that were going to be involved with this change and whose lives would be affected and got them warmed up to, hey, this is this is what we're thinking. Can you provide some input to it? This went on for six months. They also, in that engagement, brought on a change management expert, um, not a training person, but a change management expert just to help people as the change was happening. There's a lot of instances, and I've heard of firms talk, you know, specifically about things like CRM. Hey, it didn't go well. We tried to implement something. It didn't go well. I think a lot of it, those failures often come back to a failure in planning and a failure in change management. You know, it's interesting because as we look at, you know, one of the questions I always like to to ask is where does CRM fit? You know, Skyence, it really is a balance there because you are doing some contact management, you're onboarding, you're doing some recruiting work. Given the fact you got compensation, you got investment platforms, you got clearing and custody, you have all these different elements, different technologies, risk tolerance. Where does CRM fit? And where does it fit best in your opinion? haven't really liked this term, this term overlay, but it really does overlay all of those things. And what CRM does, or at least the first generation of CRM did, is it really brought into focus the client or the customer. And so how do we 
ensure that we know as much about our customer. And then from there, and it could be a prospect too, by the way, it could be prospect, it could be a customer, it could be an advisor, we could be talking about an end investor, really anyone that you might be dealing with um, in the context of customer or client, but it really starts there. And if it's a prospect, you know, we're talking about marketing, we could be talking about recruiting. If it's a customer or a client, you know, we're talking about how we serve them more effectively. And the next generation of CRM, where we're looking to extend that into marketing, into service, into recruiting, into really a back office system. If you think about most wealth management firms have struggled with, you know, what is my back office system? The clearing and custody providers only take it to a point. Um, there have been people who've tried to build back office systems and sell them. A lot of those haven't stood the test of time. And so in a lot of ways, CRM can act as that back office system. And we see firms doing some pretty creative things with CRM, interactions between advisors in the home office, interactions between the home office and a client, interactions between the home office and an advisor who happens to be a prospect. How are you seeing your best firms maximize the work. I mean, we, we talked a little bit earlier about you went in there and, and designed a blueprint, right? You put a blueprint together. Are there any consistent elements that you see, consistent actions, consistent mindsets that firms, because implementing is one of the hardest things to do, implementing any system. And we talked about change management, but what are some consistencies that you see, Mark? I think most of the firms that have gone down these sorts of paths, whether it's in a small degree or to a to a much larger degree, like the instance I talked about before, most of them have a growth mindset, meaning that, you know, the way they were doing something is probably outdated. And in wealth management, there's a lot of outdated things, as you well know, you see it, you see it more than we do. And so, you know, this mindset that we can make it better. And, you know, we use a term internally in science, you know, we want to get 1% better every day. And the firms that we're working with, the firms that are really taking charge are the ones that are thinking that way. And also thinking that they need to make the necessary investments. And not that cost isn't an issue, but they have been able to figure out what is the return on the change? So we're going to make this change. We're going to make this investment. What are the outcomes? What's the vision for what this could look like? Um, the firms that are doing change and transformation well, they articulate those things and they're, they're past the cost. They're past having a conversation about the cost. It's more about an investment. It's a return and it's a vision for the future. So one of the things I always found that I found interesting, and, and I'm going to go back to kind of DOL, Mark, and you know that time period very, very well, right? You had 
a number of firms that were very aggressive and said, yeah, we're going to get our arms around this. And then you had a number of firms that said, yeah, we're just going to sit here and wait. We're going to watch. As we look at how the investor is digesting technology, how their expectations have evolved, what happens to those firms that embrace versus those firms that say, hey, we're going to take a a wait and see approach? I think some of those firms are just going to get run over. And I think a lot of them are on borrowed time as it relates to investor needs. Um, They don't they don't really understand. They're having a hard time serving their advisors and meeting their advisors' expectations. They're not even focused on what they need to do with the clients of those advisors. And so I just think that they're going to they're going to miss it. Um, and they're going to miss, I know people talk about the next generation, but the investing needs of younger generations, the, the future generations that are going to have wealth or inherit wealth, they're making much different decisions. They have much different needs. And many firms, like I said, are, they're focused on, they're so focused on advisors. What do my advisors need? How do I serve them best? They're not thinking about where the money is today and where it could be going in the future. And it's they should not assume that those accounts are necessarily going to stay with them when the money goes to another generation. Interesting. And I, I think it's a great discussion because constantly as we're talking to different firms and maybe they don't have a formalized succession plan or they don't have this or that. And the assets just are going away. I find it, there's a fascinating statistic. You've heard me reference it, that over 70% of assets, uh, when a beneficiary gets a hold of them, leave a firm. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot easier to retain assets by providing good service, uh, an interactive experience, because those 70% of people leaving leave for two reasons. The advisor doesn't know them and the advisor doesn't have their arms around technology. Uh, which I think is an interesting statement nonetheless. Um, So quick ask of you, who do you see in the industry um, from a service tech perspective uh, that you think is doing a good job? Put me on the spot with that one. Um, Look, I think there's a lot of firms. We read about them every day that are doing doing a good job. And you can look at the statistics in terms of who's growing and attracting advisors. There's a reason advisors are moving to firms and those firms are winning on a net basis, meaning they're gaining more advisors than losing. Um, the stats that don't get published as often, which I think are interesting for those of us that are students in the industry is you know, what do the transfer stats look like? Um, I'd love to see people publish the transfer stats. You might be winning on advisors, but you could be losing on clients. And, so when and you, so let me, Mark, let me step in there. So sure. you and I know what you're talking about, but transfer stat, what do you mean by that? Uh, simply the transfers between firms, where are our accounts moving? If they're moving, if they're leaving one firm and going to another one, how often is that happening and, and who are the winners in that and who are the losers in that? And um, that's something that um, firms, you know, we don't read a lot about that, but, you know, that's an important, 
that's a really important statistic in uh, in this business. So, Mark, last question I have for you. You know, you and I have been doing this for a bit of time, you know, more than five years. As you look at the industry, you're sitting on your back porch at the vin- in the vineyard, right? What are you thinking about in terms of it bothers you? It keeps you up at night. I'll start really high and broad. And I think the biggest thing that I do think a lot about and we've talked about before is just that I think modern day wealth management is not prepared for people to live to 100 years old. (laughs) And I think we've done a great job of, hey, accumulate assets, focus on goals. You want to buy a house? Great. We're going to help you get there. You want to buy a boat? We're going to help you get there. You want to put your kids through school? We'll help you get there. But somebody retires at 65 and lives till 100. Is it really clear what that next 35 years is going to look like and how they're going to plan effectively. Cause you can't wake up. Most people aren't waking up when they're 90 and saying, I need to go back to work and then going out and getting a job. Um, it's just not reasonable. So I, I heard an interesting stat recently that, that has just stuck in my mind. And the stat was that if you, whatever age you are, if you are alive in 2030, there's a high likelihood or a high probability that you will live till a hundred or near a hundred and, you know, advances in medicine. I've heard people talk about the next 10 years will be the equivalent of what we've seen in the last hundred years. So I think some of these things are happening. I don't know if the industry is ready or is prepared to serve clients to solve for that. And so if we don't solve for that, what does that mean? Um, what it means is we could have a lot of people that just run out of money. Right. And then what? Like I said, a lot of those people are not going to wake up and just all of a sudden go back to work. So people might work longer. People may take part time jobs, all of those things. But I think as a society, um, I think it's something the industry help needs to help society solve for. Other than that, there's. You know, there's little nuanced things that bother me. You know, we still have a lot of paper. We have people fill out forms. Um, You can't transfer money very easily. I can transfer money more easily via PayPal to you than I can through a brokerage account. Right. So there's just some odd, you know, there's just some odd things that we're sort of stuck on. Uh, It's always been done that way. And we're just not we're not focused on changing it significantly right now. Well, Mark, thank you very much for making our re-entry into the podcast world of success. Um, I appreciate your time and your thoughts, and I can't wait to catch up in the future. Thank you awesome. very much, Mark. Thank you, Chip. Congratulations again on, uh, on coming back to the podcast scene. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye now.